Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Everything About Life. So today, we are just going to have a continuation of the last episode and we are going to have a new book review. So I'm going to talk about the last two books in the Percy Jackson and the Olympians and after, I will be giving another review of a trilogy also written by Rick Riordan. So that trilogy is called The Kane Chronicles. So enough of the introduction. Let's talk about Percy Jackson book four, Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth. In the Battle of the Labyrinth, Percy, Annabeth, Grover, and Tyson, who is Percy's half-brother, don't ask me, you have to read the book for yourself. So anyways, they go on a quest to find the Dallas workshop and maybe Ariadne's drink, which Luke Castellan and his army are looking for too. So a, swords, a swordsman named Quintus is subbing for Mr. D, who is also known as Dionysus. And Dionysus is on a mission to get the minor gods to be on the god side of the war. So once they find the workshop, they found out that Quintus is actually the Dallas in his fifth body. That's like having five plastic surgeries. Ouch. The Dallas dies and then they go back to camp and have a battle with Luke's army. So after the battle, they prepare for the main battle of Manhattan. Interesting. Now, let's move on to the fifth and final book in the Percy Jackson series. Percy Jackson and the last Olympian. So in this book, Percy learns that Cronus's forces are planning to attack Olympus. Poseidon, who is Percy's father, decides that it is time for Percy to now fulfill the great prophecy. So while looking for a way to defeat Cronus, Nico the Angel, Angel tells Percy his plan, even though Percy doesn't like it. In the plan, Percy has to make himself immortal by bathing in the river Styx. But one complication is that only one small chosen part of his body must remain mortal. And that is the small of Percy's back. So Cronus leads the restraints of New York City and puts his citizens to sleep. Imagine a whole country being asleep. Wow. So anyways, Percy leads the campers, hunters, nature spirits, and centaurs to protect Mount Olympus from Kronos and his forces. So while they protect Olympus, the gods hold down the monster Typhon as he makes his way to New York. So while Kronos, who is possessed as who is possessed Luke's body, while he reaches New York, he forces his way into Olympus and battles Percy in the Olympus throne room. So Typhon reaches New York, but is defeated after the arrival of Poseidon's forces, which is led by Tyson. Annabeth is able to make Luke come back to his senses, and Percy gives him Annabeth's knife. So Luke stabs himself in his mortal spot, which is his armpit, because he also dipped in the river Styx. So he destroys Cronus and saves Mount Olympus while dying hero heroically. So the gods reward Percy and his friends and offer him immortality. He rejects the offer. I mean, how can you reject the idea of being immortal and be able to live as long as you want? But instead, request, but instead he requests the gods to claim all their children to have a cabin for the gods, including the minor ones. 
so the book finishes with Percy and Annabeth becoming an official couple and threatening clouds loom over the next great prophecy which was led by Rachel Elizabeth there so there they find out they found out that the curse of the oracle was actually bestowed by Hades when Zeus took Hades' wife, who is also Bianca and Nico's mother. And Rachel there, you find out who she is in the book. She becomes the next oracle and recites the next great prophecy. So that is the prophecy that is coming to the next book in the Recreant series okay well that's all for the percy jackson and the olympian series now to my next series the king chronicles okay so the king chronicles is a trilogy of adventure and egyptian mythological fiction books the books are narrated by the two siblings carter and sadie kane the siblings are powerful magicians descended from two pharaohs narma and ramses the great they and their friends are forced to cope with Egyptian gods and goddesses who still interact with the modern world. So let's start with book one in the King Chronicles, The Red Pyramid. So after a mysterious accident in the museum, which leaves their Egyptologist father missing, Carter and Sadie Kane are taken by their uncle Amos and introduced to the family's long and proud tradition of magic. So the siblings discover that they have been chosen as hosts by the gods Horus and Isis respectively. So there, they are hunted by the House of Life, which is the world's governing body of Egyptian magicians. As a result, Carter and Sarikane also learn that the god Set plans to destroy the North American continent using their father's power. So they embark on a quest to save him and prove their innocence and good intentions to the house of life. Now that I think of it, all this mythology is pretty intense and also pretty amazing. Sometimes I wish I was in the story myself. Okay, now let's move on to book two, The Throne of Fire. In book two, Carter and Sadie Kane have recruited several students to follow the path of the gods but they're still fugitives for the house of life. So that means like the house of life still wants to kill them and they hate their gods and everything that they do and they just want them out of the whole picture. Anyways, the young magician secretly plans to find the long lost king of the gods, Ra, hoping he will help them secretly plan to find the long lost king of the gods, whose name is Ra. And they hope that he will help them to fight Apophis, who is the powerful god of chaos. So, the Apophis is just like Satan in modern world. So Apophis masterminded Seth's scheme earlier that year. So they journey around the world looking for clues to Ra and finally into the Duat to rescue Ra and drive Apophis from the mortal world. Let's move on to the final book in this series and it's called The Serpent's Shadow. So, a few months after the events of the previous book, which is Throne of Fire, the House of Life is battling repeated invasions by the forces of chaos. So, this leads the Canes and their trainees to look desperately for a way to stop Apophis and end 
maybe World War Three. So they finally settle on a difficult method involving a part of Apophis soul, which is also called the serpent shoot, to go to great lengths to ensure that they will be able to use the shoot to defeat Apophis successfully. That is going to be tough. Anyways, with the help of all the gods, especially Ra, who is hosted by a friend of their Zia Rashid, the Cain siblings are able to finally banish Apophis and save their friends. Although their actions created consequence of driving the gods away from the mortal world. Now that I think of it, it's not actually a consequence, but it's actually something good. Because that way, they are able... That way, more, um, gods will not be able to interact with mortals and probably the evil ones will not be able to take over the minds of the mortals and then they'll end up destroying the whole earth and things like So, Rick Riordan has had many crossovers with the, the books. We, um, crossover meaning that he joined the characters from one book to the other. Like, he made... The characters from Percy Jackson come with the characters of the King Chronicles. So there are three books in the Percy Jackson and Queen Chronicles crossover. The first one is the Son of Sobek. So the story is told in first person by Carter, who was set on Long Island South Shore in the vicinity of Morich's Bay. So Carter and Percy Jackson find themselves hunting the same giant magical crocodile and Carter is saved by Percy. So although they're wary of each other, like they don't know who, who one is and they're trying to say, okay, this person is going to kill me. Is this person just going to kill me or is this person trying to save my life? So they team up to fight the crocodile, which turns out to be a Petsukos, which is an ordinary crocodile turned into giant size and invested with the power of the Egyptian crocodile god Sobek by magical charm. So together, they, move, they remove the charm and they stop the crocodile from terrorizing the suburban neighborhood. Then, after briefly introducing themselves, they go their separate ways. So let's move on to the second book in the crossover series, The Staff of Serapis. So in this story, this is told from Annabeth's chase point of view. So Annabeth pursues a strange chimerical creature that encounters on the New York City subway. So she is rescued by Sadie Kane when it attacks. So Sadie explains that the creature was a figurine that suddenly came to life in the Brooklyn house and escaped the mansion. So the two girls deduce that the creature is two parts of a tripartal creature, the staff of Serapis, which belongs to the Hallenzite Egyptian god of that name. Serapis has taken up residence in a ruined lighthouse in Far Rockaway, Queens, and Annabeth and Sadie battle with him before returning to their separate worlds. Which leads me to the third book, The Crown of Ptolemy. So the story is told from Percy's point of view. So Percy and Annabeth are investigating Governor's Island in Manhattan, and Percy tries unsuccessfully to call Carter. Certainly, the evil magician responsible for all the events of the crossover creates a freak hurricane while attempting to make himself god. So Carter and Sadie finally arrive and with the help of the goddess Neckbet, who uses Percy as a host for the duration of the battle, 
trust me the way he said this that doesn't seem like a pretty good scene so anyways the four teenagers defeat and imprison certainly in a magical snow globe so the teens then use they then decide to keep their mythical reality separate and head back to their respective homes although they decide to keep in search wow that is all intense even for me so anyways that has come to the end of my episode please tune for the next one bye